Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from Him today. So please enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to have you here. You know, I always think when the sun is shining on a Sunday morning, we're going to see who's faithful to God. (laughs) And you all are. Look at that. And so are you that are tuning in online because you're making an effort too. (laughs) So um, again, my name is Pastor Deb. I'm married 32 years, right? 32 in August. Well, we've known each other 40 years. So almost in June, it'll be 40 years we've known each other. Anyway, I'm a wife mother, four children, eight grandchildren. Now I can say eight. For a long time it was seven plus, so now it's eight. And I'm hoping for at least 12. So you all join your faith with me. And you know, we, we sang about that today, right? Is anything possible? Any, with all of the faith in the room? Maybe 24, who knows? <laughs> but I love babies. I love holding babies, so share them with me. <laughs> So we are talking really this whole month about living what we say, not just saying it, but walking it out. So it's being transformed by love. And if you are somebody sitting in this room that has had an encounter with Jesus Christ, you've been transformed by love. We use the word love a lot. You know, there's all kinds of things that we can love. We can love our husband. You can love your wife, you can love your children, and we really, really, really love our grandchildren. And um, we love a comfy bed. You know, you love a favorite meal. Some people really love ice cream. We hear the word love a lot. You know, I love the ocean waves. I love the sound of ocean waves. And a whole lot of other people love it too because now they you know, have these little noise machines, (laughs) sound machines that people sleep to the waves at night. So that's how you can get waves, you know, when you're living in Wisconsin, 17 hours from an ocean. (laughs) Um, Although I I can't fall asleep to those sound machines. To me, it's too noisy. I need peace and quiet. So, um, you know, another thing, when we think about all those kinds of love, the greatest love is what Jesus did for us. That was the greatest kind of love that we could ever experience. So why don't we pray as we learn more about what he did for us. Father, we thank you for this opportunity today to hear from you. Lord, I just ask that you use me as a mouthpiece to penetrate hearts, God, to bring us to a place of action, that when we leave this place today that we not stay the same, that we have been transformed by love. And we ask, God, that you do a work in our hearts, not just for us, but so that we can be kind and loving to the people around us. In Jesus' name. You know, I think of um, our love walk, and it's a constant struggle. You know, there's people that you aren't necessarily going to be best friends with, but we're still called to love. And so it's knowing what is that kind of love? How can we tap into that kind of love? 1 John 3.18 in the New Living 
translation. It says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we'll be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence, and we'll receive from him whatever we ask, because we obey him and do the things that please him. Sometimes what keeps people from sharing their faith with others is because they think, who am I? Look at the things that I've done in my past. Look at the things that, that I've walked through, things that I'm not free from yet. Who am I to share Jesus with other people? You know, that's exactly how the enemy wants you to think. The enemy wants you to think that you're not good enough, that you're not worthy, that you're not the person to talk to the, the people around you about Jesus. You know, and I think, you know, over the years and being a Christian, we've heard about the enemy and who the enemy is. And, I'm, and I can remember first coming to church and thinking, who's the enemy? <laughs> you know, like, what movie are we watching that we find out who the enemy is? <laughs> um, well, I found out quickly who the enemy is. And the enemy is the devil. There's good and there's bad. And that's the truth. We all know that we live in a world and not everything's always hunky-dory, right? Bad things happen sometimes. Ephesians 6.12, in the Easy English Bible, which I didn't know there was an Easy English Bible, <laughs> but <clears throat> it really is easy <laughs> as you're reading through it if you want a simplified translation, translation to understand things. It says in Ephesians 6, verse 12, we're not fighting against human enemies. So you're not fighting against your husband or wife. You're not fighting against that coworker. You're fighting against the rulers and the powerful spirits that have authority over this dark world. We're fighting against the bad spirits who live in the heavens. And what that means is the spiritual realm around us. Again, there's good and there's bad. And so it's knowing that the enemy is in the spiritual realm and wanting to stop us. He's wanting to stop us from living a life that God wants us to live. We can't deny that bad things happen to people. Bad things have happened in my life. But that doesn't change the good things that have happened. That hasn't changed the good things that God has done in my life. John 10.10 10, in the Living Bible, it says the thief's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. So the enemy, the devil, is the thief. And his purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. To steal your joy. To rob you from a happy life. To steal your peace. To cause you to be in turmoil. That's the enemy's job. And he does a really good job sometimes, doesn't he? But God's purpose in this battle is to give life in all its fullness. Like you can walk in a place where you have peace of mind. You can walk in a place that you're not struggling. You can walk in a place 
that you know that because of the truth of God's word and what he's done for you, we can, we can be steady. We can walk in that. When we have relationship with Jesus and we're taught about those things, we can know that there's negativity, there's discouragement, there's all that paralyzing that goes, around or goes on around us. But we can also know that we don't have to walk in that. We don't have to, like the word we shared before, we don't have to be guilty. We don't have to go by our feelings. And how many times do we just go by our feelings instead of, you know what, I'm going to see what God's word says about this. We can think that um, we feel condemned sometimes. Like, again, I said before, we're not good enough. There's, we have to measure up in our life and be perfect before we can share Jesus with other people. In Romans 8, 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation, it says, so now there is no condemnation. Did you hear that? There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. When you feel condemned, the enemy, the devil, has you, has you right where he wants you. But we know that Jesus Christ, the power of God that lives on the inside of us, it takes faith to trust in God, doesn't it? It takes faith. It takes thinking outside of what we normally would think. And sometimes it's us who has to forgive ourselves. So, you know, we think, okay, I've done these things. I, I'm not worthy. Like, who am I to share Jesus with somebody? Think about the, same, the first time that you shared Jesus with somebody. Think about the first time that you were like, I really know I need to talk to them about Jesus. It takes boldness to do that, right? When people are sharing things with you and you're like, oh, I know that the only hope for people is Jesus. You can share Jesus without quoting all kinds of scripture. <laughs> you share Jesus by the way you walk, the way you love them, the way you care for them. So I'm going to share a story. There is this little boy visiting his grandparents, and they gave him his first slingshot. And so he practiced with that slingshot in the woods, and it seemed like every time he pulled that thing, it would never hit what he wanted it to hit, but he kept practicing. And so one day, you know, the same day he was outside, and he saw his grandma's duck, her favorite duck. And so he thought, like a little sniper, he went around, and he thought, I'm going to get that duck. And so he snuck around, and he pulled it back, and he hit it, he thought, because I'll never hit it anyway. We'll see how close I can get. Pulled it back, and guess what? Killed the duck. Ooh, not good. It was grandma's favorite duck, remember? <laughs> so when that happened, he was like, oh, no, and he panicked. And he was like, what am I going to do now? And so he looked around, and he didn't see anybody. So he desperately began trying to hide the dead duck so grandma wouldn't know about it. So he buried it nearby in a wood pile, only to look up and see his sister watching. Sally saw it all, but she didn't say anything. 
So after lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, why don't you help me wash the dishes? And Sally said, it's okay, Grandma. Johnny told me that he wanted to help in the kitchen today, so he'll wash the dishes. Didn't you, Johnny? And then she walked by Johnny and she said, remember the duck? Nice sister. So guess who did the dishes? And then later that day, Grandpa was going to take the children fishing. But Grandma said, oh, Sally, why don't you stay in and help me? And you can help me cook dinner tonight. And so she said, oh, Johnny said that he wanted to help cook dinner tonight. And so she went to Donnie and she said, remember the duck. And so guess, they, I don't think they had duck that night, but... <laughs> Guess who helped cook dinner? Later, Johnny was really having it. He's had enough. He's doing, for a couple weeks, he's doing Sally's chores, and he's had it. And so he confessed to Grandma. He said, Grandma, I'm so sorry. I was practicing with that wonderful slingshot you gave me, and I never, never aimed and hit anything but I killed your favorite duck. And she said, Johnny, I know. I was watching through the window and I saw what you did. She said, I forgave you, but I wondered how long you would let Sally do that to you. How many times was he gonna let Sally tell her what to do and get away with these things? Well, now I'm kind of thinking Sally probably got in trouble too, right? Well, if I were the grandma, Sally would get in trouble. <laughs> um, but, you know, think about that. And how many times do we let the enemy do that to us? Remind us of all the things that we did, that we ask God for forgiveness for already. I mean, we've already been forgiven, but we still keep beating ourselves up. That's really what self-condemnation is. Condemnation robs us from the joy of living the full life that God's called us to. You know, there's a difference in conviction and condemnation. Conviction is when you do something and you're like, oh, I know I probably shouldn't do that, but I do it anyway. Well, that's not listening to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and that's conviction. Condemnation is when things like the enemy, like the devil, gets in your thoughts, you know, gets in, in your head and tries to tell you you're not good enough or you can't do that, you're not going to succeed. Condemnation is what's heaped on us. So self-condemnation is really like paying penance for something we've already been forgiven for. And that's, that's not what God has for us. Once we're forgiven, we're forgiven. We pay the ticket and it's done. You know, there's consequences for actions like speeding. Um, let's have a show of hands. No, we don't have to. How many of you have ever got picked up for speeding? I got picked up for speeding. But you know my pickup for speeding because, you know, God's really gotten a hold of me and all that stuff is, was like 40 years ago. But there's some, it was a state patrol, and he really didn't catch me. It was an airplane. It was one of those on I-39. I'm like, that's like cheating. Heating. <laughs> I mean, you know. But anyway, something about that policeman coming to the car, and I just start bawling. Like, why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> probably because I got caught. 
<laughs> Couldn't lie my way out of that one. <laughs> Nor would I get away with it. But with speeding, there's consequences. First of all, there's risks. So I looked this up, and did you know that in Wisconsin, more than 18,000 speed-related crashes happen every single year? 18,000. Speeding makes your vehicle harder to control, stop an emergency. You know that the speed limits that we have are really set for perfect weather, not icy conditions. So like on an icy road, you know, I-39, don't drive 70 miles an hour unless you want the consequences. <clears throat> There's penalties for speeding. So when I got picked up for speeding, I had to pay a fine. And if you got picked up for speeding, unless you like really cried, like I have a daughter, she's on her way. I didn't tell her I was going to tell this, so you, you'll have to guess which daughter. Anyway, <laughs> she's on her way to worship practice. Hint. And, <laughs> and she's singing her lungs out, you know, just worshiping God. And, and we only live like uh, two miles and three minutes away. So she had to really pick it up to speed to get here, you know. So anyway, she's speeding and she gets stopped. The guy comes, policeman comes to the car and she's just bawling. I'm so sorry. I was worshiping God and I lost track of... <laughs> she probably didn't say that. <laughs> but anyway, guess what he did? He let her go. Well, and the other thing, she's driving our vehicle. And if you've seen our vehicle, it has pastor license plates. <sighs> Quite the pastor. Anyway, <laughs> so he, she got a warning. Wasn't that nice? So a warning, didn't get a ticket. So two weeks later, the same road, speeding, singing her lungs out, worshiping God, coming to practice. Guess what happens? She gets pulled over by the same guy. <laughs> like, what are the chances? And guess what? She still didn't get a ticket. He let her go again. Whoever you are, that's really nice of you. <laughs> but um, I'm not going to ask her if she still speeds. <laughs> but there would have been great consequences to that penalty. And so, as a matter of fact, you get a speeding ticket, the first time your insurance goes up 23%. The second time, 67%. The third time, it's doubled. And you don't even want to know about the fourth time, because you probably won't be on that insurance policy anymore. Again, there's consequences with the law when we do things wrong. There's also consequences in our life when we make those mistakes. But again, thank God for his power. And when we think about actions in our past, you know, God doesn't keep bringing them up over and over again. We do. And when you think about paying that speeding ticket, you know, that's something you pay once. You don't have to keep paying it. You pay it once. Even insurance companies are gracious. After like three to five years or something like that, or maybe it's changed now, I don't know. But three to five years, you're not paying those same high premiums. There's a grace. So how do we win over condemnation? First of all, we have to believe that God's word is true. 
that what it says we believe no matter what. I'm not going by my feelings. I'm going by the truth of God's word. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, the Lord lays somebody on your heart that, that he wants you to talk to about the Lord. God's going with you. Don't be afraid. Be courageous. Psalms 59, 16 and 17 in the NIV. It says, but I will sing of your strength in the morning. I'll sing of your love. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress, my God, on whom I can rely. God is my strength. God is my fortress. God is who makes me strong in him. And I'm not going to know that if I'm not spending time with God. I'm not going to experience that kind of confidence if I'm not in his word. Number two, how do we win over condemnation? We step out in faith. The more we build our faith, the less the enemy has control over the battle in our mind. Sometimes when we can't do something, we think we can't do something, you're not probably going to do it. But when you can renew your mind and you can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it can happen. Because you realize you're not doing it by yourself, but you're doing it through the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to know the word. You have to know the opportunities that we have to be strong in our faith and strong in the power of his might. A few months back, somebody called me and I asked them if I could share this story, but they were dealing with some thoughts, some fear, things that were not of God. So she called for prayer, asked if we could meet, and we did. Um, the story is she was helping her mom put chickens out, and so, or, or put chickens in. One of them was stubborn and didn't want to come in. So chase those chickens, right? <laughs> but anyway, she said that she was pretty sure she felt like she shouldn't have kneeled down to get this chicken, but she did, and she kneeled right on a rusty nail. So, well, I heard that reaction. God is more than able. <laughs> so she said she thought the Holy Spirit told her not to, but she didn't want her mom to kneel down, so she did. And guess what happened? That, knee, that nail went right in her knee. So two days after that is when fear started setting in probably because maybe she was on the internet and found out what can happen when you, when you, you know, kneel on a rusty nail. And so she called, we prayed, we stood on God's word, we took authority over the lies, because that's what that was. I mean, and did you know she would have been a long time, it was only two days, because it takes up to 21 days for an incubation period for tetanus to set in. So that would have been a long time struggling in her mind. So we joined our faith together. She said this, which I think is really beautiful. I had given her a book called The Believer's Authority. And if any of you need to know and be encouraged in the authority that you have as a believer, talk to us at the Welcome Center because we have those books that you can purchase. And it's just a really good foundational book about the, the authority that we have because Jesus lives in our heart. But she said, after I got the believer's authority from you, 
I was re- I'm reminded of the authority that God gave me because of Jesus on the cross. See, it wasn't anything she could do. It was what Jesus did for her. I would say that kneeling on that nail was one of the best things that happened to me. And why it was one of the best things, she said, because I've dug into the word and God has given me such a fire for him and I'm loving it. And she said, I'm like taking authority over everything because in Jesus' name, God goes before us. God is with us. God gives us the strength. But if we just lay there and just let the enemy do whatever he wants to us, that's exactly what's going to happen. We have to dig into the word and, and to know what it says. So there's a lot that we deal with in our minds. You know, the moral of that story is stay away from rusty nails, right? <laughs> the moral of that story is really know the authority that you have as a believer. We have to teach ourselves about that authority. And the way we do that, again, is through reading God's word, reading books like The Authority of the Believer. 1 Peter 4.10 and 11 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. So when I pray about something and I say, I take authority in the name of Jesus, that's whose authority it is. It's not mine. It's me walking in what I know is truth in God's word because I have the authority because Jesus lives in my heart. Number three, how do we win over condemnation is we walk in love towards others. You've heard the saying, walk the walk, not just talk the talk. You've heard actions speak louder than words. And you know, like years ago, I can remember grandma saying, sticks and stones will break your bones. Words will never hurt you. Absolutely not true. Sticks and stones could break your bones, (laughs) but words do hurt. But again, we don't want to be a church filled with hypocrites. We don't want to be known as refuge, the place that people say one thing and do another. We want to live out who God's called us to live. And so think about areas in your life. Are there areas in your life that you think, you know, God, I, I probably need some adjustments there. I don't want to be a hypocrite. What a hypocrite is, is a person who puts on a false appearance of virtue or religion, a person who acts in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. Synonym for a hypocrite is phony, a deceiver, a fake, and a fraud. Lord Jesus. <laughs> Let not that be said about any one of us in this room. We're not fakes. We don't just act like we love Jesus. We walk in the truth of knowing Jesus. So it's knowing that we can confidently minister to people because we let Jesus live through our lives. You know, I think of, you know, back in the day before I knew Jesus, there were people around me that, I was drawn to, and I know there was something different about them. And it was because they were Christians. A Christian is a Christ follower. I knew there was something different about them. 
hopefully for those of you who work jobs outside the church, which is probably most of the people in the room, people wouldn't be surprised to learn that you are a Christian because that's not what God's called us to. God's called us to be different, to be set apart. We're not like the world. Or why would people be drawn to Jesus if we're just like everybody else, carrying on, gossiping, partying, drinking, living that life? What sets us apart? What's different? Maybe you have to ask God about that. God, what do you want to be different in my life? You know, I, I can change areas in my life. Everybody, there's areas that, that we can exercise the authority that Jesus has given us, helping us to be closer to him. 1 John 3, 23 and 24, it says, And this command is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So do people know it? And do we know it? Do I know that there's something different about my life from before I accept Jesus into my heart? You know, Jesus' death on the cross was the absolute most powerful demonstration of love. He gave his life. When people call on you, when people need, it, need you, any hours of the night, when you sacrifice, when you say, okay, I'll be there for you, and I know so many of you in this room are those kind of people, you'll drop everything to help somebody. That's living out what Jesus has called us to do. That's love in action. You know, let's not misrepresent him. Let's be who he's called us to be. I think about how the scripture, and I'll share this scripture about generations, how his faithfulness continues through generations. And do you know how that happens? Through you. And then you sharing it with your grandchildren or nieces and nephews, younger people, and then they share it. And generations and generations I think I know I had great-grandparents that knew Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And so I'm sure they prayed for me. I'm sure they prayed for the generations to come just like we pray for our children and our grandchildren. Imagine one day when you enter eternity because, like it or not, well, I think we'll like it. <laughs> we'll enter eternity and we'll be at a place that's perfect peace, that's paradise for us. Think about the people that went before you that you can say, oh my goodness, you're here. I prayed for you to receive Jesus and you're here for eternity. Ah, like that's the best thing ever, I'm imagining. <laughs> because I know how good it feels for me and this is a feeling I'd like to go by when I pray with, with people and I see Jesus do a work in their hearts. Years ago, I worked at a nursing home. I was a CNA, and there was a lady there, and some of you might have heard this story before, but there was a lady there who was, I mean, I think she was a great lady, but she just got crabby, you know. She was an old crabby lady. <laughs> but 
She also dealt with a lot of physical things. She actually had multiple sclerosis. And the only thing that this lady could do is talk. She couldn't move her head unless people helped her. She couldn't move at all. We had to set her up in a chariot during the day, put her to bed in the evening, shower her, all those things. And so one day, you know, people would like fight over who's going to take care of Lorraine because she was a difficult lady. And so at that time I was a Christian. And so I said, I'll take care of Lorraine. And so I would always pray with Lorraine too. And so she was the lady who, she said, if you could close my curtains. So you take this rod and you close her curtains. She said, oh, no, a little, little bit that way. Move it that way. No, 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 it's got to be more that way. So for half an hour, you're whipping this curtain, you know, getting those muscles going. But that's why people didn't want to help her. You couldn't satisfy her. And so that day was when nobody wanted to help her. I went, went in and did the things. And then she started crying and she said, Deb, I don't know why nobody likes me. Why, why are you the one who is willing to help me at night and you're not crabby with me? And I said, I get frustrated too, Lorraine, but I also know this is the only thing you can control. That's the only thing she could control. And so I would move that curtain. I said, but you know, Lorraine, you can have peace. You can be a friendly person. You can be a happy person. You can say kind things to people. And you know how you can do that? And I led her in a prayer to receive Jesus. From that day on, seriously, this lady was a different person. Like, I was even surprised. Whoa, that really worked, <laughs> you know? <laughs> because I was new in my faith. <laughs> like, really, I was maybe under a year old in the Lord. But I saw God move. And then what's really cool is, um, you know, I didn't work there anymore. Then I came to work here. And I had gone to visit a friend of mine. Her name is Karen, actually a lady in our congregation, Pat Conkle's sister. She was in Bible college in Tulsa. So I went to visit her and she would get the newspaper. Back then we had a paper copy of the newspaper. <laughs> she would get the Stevens Point Journal. And so um, I'm like, well, why do you get that? And she said, oh, I like to know the news and then the obituaries because you couldn't just look that up online back then. I opened up that newspaper that day and I saw, I don't know why I'm going to cry, but I saw Lorraine's obituary in there and I thought, Jesus, you used me, this young Christian, to share your love with a lady who now is in heaven. Do you know how exciting that is? So there's going to be a day that I'm going to see Lorraine and guess what? She's going to have a glorified body. She's not going to suffer from MS anymore. What a gift. It's a gift to her, but it's a gift to me. And every one of you can have that kind of influence and make that kind of difference in somebody's life. You just have to step out. Psalms 105 in the New Living Translation says, For the Lord is good. The Lord is good. You guys, the Lord is good. The devil's bad. 
the enemy is bad. God is not bad. God doesn't do bad things. He's a loving father. The Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. You know, this, this church is an amazing church. We have people of all ages. You know, I love how prolific we are. I actually keep a list on my phone of all the ladies that are pregnant because there's so many. <laughs> it's a wonderful, wonderful way to have some church growth around here. <laughs> but what's so exciting about that is it's generations. We're reaching generations. That's something that God's called you to do. So let's pray. Let's close our eyes. If you're somebody who hasn't made that kind of personal relationship with Jesus, where you don't know that you know that when I get to heaven someday, you're going to be there. You can know that today. We pray for each of you in this room. And what I'd like you to do is your eyes are closed and your head is bowed. Is to raise your hand if you're somebody who doesn't know Jesus that way. Okay. Thank you. And now what we're going to do is we're going to pray. We're going to ask Jesus to come into our heart and be the Lord of our life. Not just our Savior. What our Lord is means he's in charge of everything. Let Jesus be in charge of every area of your life. So if you could repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I thank you that you forgive my sins. And I ask now that you come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus. I ask that you use my life for your glory. In Jesus' name. And now, Father, I pray for every person out here. And I thank you, God, as your word went forth. I thank you, God, for ministering to each heart, speaking to each heart, and sharing with each person the area, the areas that you're calling them to step out, to reach out to the people around them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you all. We're going to stand. We're going to worship God. Um, after worship, there's a prayer team that'll be up here. But the song that we're singing is Build My Life. I will build my life. Oh, firm foundation. Well, we should do build my life. <laughs> Firm foundation is wonderful too. <laughs> but um, having that firm foundation in Jesus Christ and how we get that again is through knowing his word. Thank you so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. 
We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to connect with the Lord. And hey, if you made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, we are first and foremost just so happy for you and we would love to get connected with you. So if you want to find some more of our content and find out how to get connected with us, feel free to check out our website at wearefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing rest of your day.